Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to the podcast. What would you you. like to talk about today? So today I am wondering about parenting. I have a two and a half year old human child and... I have kind of been struggling with, I guess, ever since they were born, struggling with just this immense fear around just how much I love them (laughs) and how intense that feels. Um, Mm. And then especially like as world events have unfolded and things feel really chaotic and scary, I've just found that it's been harder for me to kind of maintain my autonomy, which feels important as a parent and just feeling the tension between like, this really intense love and then this really hard grief around existing. Mm. Yeah. And within that, I guess I've, I've a bunch of questions. So within that, do you feel like the difficulty in maintaining your autonomy is because of world events or just because you have a two and a half year old? That's a good question. Actually, ever since they were born, I've like had a hard time being away from them at all. So I think it's kind of exacerbated by like feeling like the world is this like super chaotic, dangerous situation. And then also probably maybe I would feel this way anyways, even if we lived in like a different world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, I myself am not a parent, but I I have consulted with countless parents over the years. And I think not having a sense of autonomy with a child that is like not in full-time school is Mm -hmm. very normal. Mm-hmm. especially if you're a primary caregiver, which are, I'm assuming you are just from the way you've asked the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you have a co-parent or somebody who is a support to you and your child? Yeah, I do have a co-parent. Great. So the question that I have for you is like, what is really your question? Is, is it about the world? Is it about parenting? Is mm-hmm. it about finding yourself? Yeah. What What is the yeah. question part of your question? I think that the question is kind of like, I'm in this place in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm still pretty young. (laughs) Like, what the fuck am I doing? And trying to figure out how to like have a life and be a parent and how to like explore, you know, like career things and purpose things outside of parenting. And it feels basically impossible to like have both. Mm. Okay. So, so this isn't really about parenting or the world. This is about career and autonomy as, as a parent. Yeah, I guess so. Interesting. Very different question. than I. Yeah, it is a really different question. I mean, and I think there's still pieces of like, you know, trying to balance like what is healthy fear and then Mm -hmm. what is like the other side of that, where it's like a little bit more obsession and like trying to find a balance between that as far as like how close to keep my child and Mm that feels like a hard thing for me. So when you're talking about your concerns for your child and the safety of the world, are you talking about plastics and foods? Are you talking about the ozone? (laughs) Are you talking about gun violence? Are you talking about like civil war? Are you talking about COVID? Like, I mean, I'm scared of everything. So I have a really long list. (laughs) Yeah. What is Um, it? That was a good start. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, honestly, I feel like gun violence has come up as a thing that keeps keeps coming to me yeah Um, but I'm also afraid of like cars I'm very afraid of cars we were in a car accident like 
a little over a year ago. So maybe that's partly why. Yeah, I can think of a lot of things that I'm afraid of. That's fair. I mean, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. The world is objectively on fire, like technically, scientifically, metaphorically, you know, sure. Yeah. So I want to preface everything I'm about to say with, if you're coming to me to have someone talk you down away from your fears, that's a really, I'm a bad choice. I'm a triple Capricorn. So like, you know, I'm like, yeah, be terrified. Everything's, everything's dangerous. Uh, You know, to be fair. I think yeah. everything is a near-death experience. So right. it is. I mean, <laughs> Thank it is. You. So it's not, so I'm not going to be the person to say, oh, you don't need to be scared because yeah, yeah, yeah everything's terrifying. You know, people do this thing where they like deep fry a turkey uh, in a, in a, like a barbecue thing. And sometimes it burns their whole house down, you know, like there's a million ways to go is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. I am willing to be scared of them all. That yeah. said- <laughs> The question is, how do you navigate fear and how do you make sustainable decisions in Mm -hmm. response to your fear? Because Mm -hmm. telling yourself to not be scared of cars and school shootings and COVID and the ozone is not, I don't think it's super smart, but it's also just not realistic. So this is where I want to have you say your full name out loud for me. Okay. Um, So my right now full name is... What's your birth full name? So I was named one name and then three months later, my mom changed it. So I'll give you both. Give me all of it. Give me all. The first one is. And then it was changed to. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Give me your government, your first name one more time. No, no. Your first name, your, your first given name. Yeah. So that's the name where I can tap into your fear. Mm. the most. So this, I imagine then is connected with your mom or your early developmental Mm. experiences, this pattern, right? You don't need a pattern to be scared of the world, especially when Mm. you have a child, but this feeling of like, how do I protect her? How do I take care of her? How do I keep her safe? And I'm sorry, I'm using her, but that's what I'm really getting like as a kind of coming Mm -hmm. at you and attached to you. It was like a panic anxiety vibe that is imprinted on you and Mm -hmm. it does feel like your mom was like the loving present parent is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and so they're intertwined for you on an unconscious level Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah yeah so this like panic anxiety it's like this like I don't know how else to put it but like no I feel it (laughs) yeah it's really intense and it's all on your first given name right there's one layer here of there is an unconscious foundational belief that you have because of your early developmental experiences that care and love and anxiety and panic are intertwined. So that is a really important thing to work on. Do you have a, like a talk therapist or like a Mm -hmm. woo therapist? Okay, great. So this is a great thing to bring um, Mm -hmm. to therapy. And the reason why I say bring to therapy, as opposed to like, let's unpack it here is because Mm -hmm. As an astrologer, as a psychic, I can point to things and I can name things. I can give you strategies and insights, but objectively, we need to work with our psyche, our heart, our spirituality over the course of time. That work that we do on ourselves is what really kind of can change things. And this is one of those things that I want to encourage you to practice being present with, not recoiling from, having empathy for, being interested in. Because 
essentially what I'm telling you to do is to reparent yourself around this early developmental wounding that came from a really good place, but was maladjusted from your mother. Mm-hmm. And ironically, you may be doing it to your beautiful baby now. Um, so <laughs> family issues, you know, yeah. they're real. Uh, yeah. uh, nobody made it up. It's all real. I'm going to get astrological in just a moment, but I want to check mm-hmm. in with your child. Will you say their full mm-hmm. name, please? Yeah. Are you missing a name? Mm-mm. Not that I know. What's your maiden last name? There it is. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for whatever it's worth, I see mm-hmm. energetics. Like I see into people psychically through names and mm-hmm. it just so happens to match my feminist value systems. But energetically, <laughs> when we leave out, the mother's maiden name, you're leaving Mm. off like half of the person's energy, um, Mm. which is one of the many reasons I'm not super excited about like a single last name for, Mm -hmm. you know, a human that came from two humans, but, um, but that's interesting. I feel like I, I changed my name because I didn't like my last name. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, this is fun, you know, but I I totally agree. That makes sense, you know? And, and also, from an energetics perspective, we are what we are, whether we like it or not. And yeah. Acceptance <laughs> yeah. is foundational. I mean, we're talking about fear, right? So, yeah. so I'm going to have you say mm-hmm. their name one more time. Give me all the last names. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're fine. Uh, I'm not seeing <laughs> that they're tortured by your fear. It's not like they're, you know, shrunken by your anxiety, nothing like that. I was just checking, you know, yeah, just yeah, to make sure that I wasn't mm-hmm. missing a problem. I'm missing yeah. a problem. This is your problem, which is great. Yeah, that's Let's keep your problem. Yes. Yeah. So I want to just make sure I'm seeing this correctly before I dive. Your partner makes good money, is willing and able to do what they do. There's not like a, a family-based need for you to go back to work and make money. Is that correct? I would say he is willing to work. Money feels like a, a point of tension right now. And I am trying to go back to work, to work more, to, but like, we are okay. So right let now. me, let me dig into that because, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're going to come back to fear, but it feels like I can see why you asked both of these questions. Cause I see how they're intertwined. And so yeah. when you're experiencing anxiety and fear, you're not just experiencing it about any of the very valid things that you're experiencing it about. You're also experiencing it about like all the feelings that you don't know what to do with and you don't know where to put, they're like glomming onto each individual worry, right? Yeah. And so I would give you this advice separate from everything else. Do you, do you use paper and pen or are you all digital mm-hmm. all the time? Okay. No, paper and pen is my channel. Great. Let's go analog. So yeah. with paper and pen, what I want you to do is create uh, like blocks. So you could use separate pieces of paper. I would do it all in one big ass piece of paper if you can, or like a dry erase mm-hmm. board or something. And mm-hmm. to put one block of money issues as a family, my career and capacity to earn uh, mm-hmm. the fucking world. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that might have separate things like, you know, mm-hmm. school versus environment slash health, you know, like mm-hmm. put all of these very real concerns in separate columns, but this has to be big. It can't be too small. It looks like that's just how your brain works. Um, And then to start writing notes on like, these are the things that are stressing me out. Externalize Mm -hmm. them, name them so you can own them. This Mm -hmm. is not a suggestion to help you find the answers. This Mm -hmm. is a suggestion to clarify what is stressing you, what is concerning Mm -hmm. you, to Mm -hmm. name these things. Because for your brain, 
that will organically lead you to the right questions, which will bring you to the answers. When we go straight to trying to find the answer before we first appropriately identified and clarified the question, it doesn't matter if you get the quote right answer, you're getting the right answer to the wrong question. And then you have a mess and you're like, it's like 60, 40. Why am I so confusing? That's why, because you were asking too much at once. And I think mm-hmm. that might even be reflected in how you phrased your question to me. It's like asking yeah. everything at once because it's hard to yeah. parse them apart. Okay. Totally. Okay, good. So hold on. So I'm really being pulled to talk about the career stuff, even though I thought I wanted to talk about anxiety first. You cool with that? Yeah. Okay, great. What were you doing before you had a child? I had just finished going to massage school. So I was like getting ready to get licensed. And then that's what I did when I was pregnant and have done on and off since then. Okay. And is that something that you want to do for career? It feels like a piece of it, but it doesn't feel like that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting answer because it wasn't a yes or a no. <laughs> and I am such a Capricorn. This is Capricorn on cancer violence. I understand, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, I didn't say your birth information and I should have, uh, bear with okay. me. Yeah. You were born June 23rd, 1993, 7.51 p.m. in Red Bank, New Jersey. There's the question of what do I want to do, which can be broken down into what do I want to do right now versus what do I want to be doing in 15 years? Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I, I fear that for you, you've smooshed them together so tightly that it's hard for you to parse them apart. Yeah. So it brings me back to this question, which I'm going to refine for your brains um, yeah. and uh, your beautiful, beautiful brains. This is the question. If you think about having more work hours over the course Mm -hmm. of the next year or two, how do you feel about making the choice to prioritize working? I'm guessing like 20, 30 hours a week. Is that what you're kind of angling towards? Yeah, probably like 20 would be on the higher side. Okay. So we'll call Um, it 10 to to 20. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it Mm -hmm. 10 to 20. So if we're thinking about like 10 to 20 hours a week of work outside of the home, does massage or body work feel like a good next step to you or, or do you have ambiguity about it? It feels like a good next step. I okay, great. The clarification. You're yeah, welcome. I feel like the variable, if I can, yeah. <laughs> another yeah. variable is just that I've had like ongoing health stuff. So I'm at this point where I'm in a treatment that feels like it's working, but it's still up and down. So I'm that's kind of the factor that's like, you know, when will I be ready to, to mm. work more? Okay. The health stuff is like, it, it compromises your ability to do physical labor because massage is very physical, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So when I look at this energetically, it does look like some, some days you could do massage, you mm-hmm. know, a couple, a couple treatments in a day and some days you kind of couldn't and you might have to yeah. cancel on people. Right. Is it in your joints? Um, it affects, yeah, it kind of affects like my whole body. Yeah. It's like an inflammation related issue. Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah. yeah. It's what it looks like. Well, look at you. You chose to be a body worker. Okay. I know, right. <laughs> yeah. is interesting. Okay. Now I'm going to help you like break down your options here because mm-hmm. what is it that is most important? Is it most important to be financially contributing to the household as a way to, you know, take some of the, the weight off your partner? Or is it most important, and we're talking about the next one to two years, not your forever, or is it most important to be doing something that feels really right to you? 
one of your first questions, you're talking about like keeping your identity mm-hmm. and your autonomy. Mm-hmm. What is your primary objective with work at this time? I think at this point, I kind of feel like if my work doesn't feel right, I'll just explode or dissolve. <laughs> Interesting. So um, like, so, I don't have a lot of capacity to do things that don't feel right. Okay. If that makes sense. It does, but it's interesting because the way that you responded was with almost a negative instead of an affirmation of what you do want. And I want to just reflect that back to you because Mm -hmm. I imagine that would play out poorly in your relationship over the course of time. And also on an energetics woo level, when we affirm what we want by identifying with what we don't want, it does not feel it, it does. There's no judge there. There's no flow mm-hmm. there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you again, and I know I'm setting you up here. Forgive me, but I'm going to ask you again, <laughs> what is your primary objective with work at this time? I think it's to find work that feels really good to do. Okay, great. And is that yeah. consensual in your relationship? I think it is. I mean, I think there is the pressure of, you know, sharing finances and feeling like I want and need to contribute to that. But I do think that on like a personal level, yes, like there's a lot of support for that. Okay. You mean he's supportive to you for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I'm going to say as a psychic, I encourage you to talk to him about that in uh, no uncertain terms, like play this for him, pause it, talk to him about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not as sure about that as you just made it sound so certain. I'm not as mm-hmm. certain. Um, And I'm not saying like, oh, I think that's wrong. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but I don't know Mm -hmm. it's as tidy as you just articulated it Mm -hmm. for him, which is maybe part of why you articulated your preference in the negative instead of in the like, I choose this for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and this is like, um, you know, classic crab stuff. You know, you've got the sun (laughs) and mercury and cancer and cancer can kind of come at things sideways all the water signs can, but mostly cancer that is kind of distancing yourself from what you know of yourself and what you need for yourself, which can come Mm -hmm. across as passive aggressive or manipulative, even though Mm -hmm. that's not your intention. And also it's energetically blocking your own flow because you're not a crab. You're a human person for better or worse. I don't know what's worse. I don't know, but (laughs) but here we are. So, so this is really good. We're getting at something, which is you're identifying that massage actually is a good path. It's not the get rich quick scheme. It's not necessarily like the most sustainable thing because it's so physical, but it Mm -hmm. is what you're feeling like a sense of yearning and calling towards. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I think I just feel like I need to say like, yeah, but there's more, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but that's okay. Like you said, it's one year, two years, not the rest of my life. It's not the rest of your life, but this is really important. This yeah, but there's more. I can't say yes to this because that means I'm saying no to everything that's not this, right? Yeah. Um, that, my friend, is a Sun-Jupiter square and a moon mm. sandwiched between Chiron and Mars in the eighth and Neptune and Uranus conjunct <laughs> intercept in the first. See, <laughs> this feeling of whatever it is. Also, I guess you're, anyways, I could keep going. But yeah. the, the, the point is, is like what you're essentially doing is cutting yourself in pieces because you're scared of bringing all the pieces together because that means you're not any of the things that those extra other pieces could be pointing towards. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
an affirmation that I want to encourage you to like find the right finesse wording for you around is something to the effect of I am making choices for today or Mm -hmm. this choice I am moving forward with or I'm executing on and I am only committing to it for 18 months. Mm-hmm. giving yourself that kind of framework, I think will really support you in staying in alignment with your choices in the here and now. And it's hard. I mean, I think it's hard for most people and clearly it's, it's hard for you. So when we pull back, if the ambition is 10 to 20 hours, 20 being the max a week of body work, right? Is that viable? Like, do you have access to enough clients where you could be doing that with, you know, or building towards that? Yeah, I think so. I'm in a bit of a like transition as far as work. Like I've been working at a spa and I'm feeling like, you know, I've kind of known that's not what I want to do. So thinking about leaning into starting my own thing. So there's some uncertainty there Yeah. about like where exactly that will be. But I think in terms of the where, that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is staying in alignment with the choice you're making for now. Mm -hmm. Because if you continue to do what you're, I think, pretty unconsciously doing, which is undermining yourself by being like, yeah, but I could do more, but it's not Mm -hmm. because like, there's a lot of that happening. And that's your biggest problem because you can get the perfect Uh office space. But if you keep doing this, you're going to manifest people who cancel on you or like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you're going to block your blessings as as it says said. So that's the homework there. Right. And I do think, you know, whether you stay working at a spa and you you like check in, get more experience, get the Mm -hmm. money, get out, Mm -hmm. that looks fine for right now, actually. Mm -hmm. And if you decide to like find a sweet space with other practitioners that you really like, you have to Mm -hmm. do a lot more labor to get people in, Yeah, Um, which I think overall you would be really happy with. But if you, if you continue to feel dogged by uncertainty or like mixed emotions, that'll be harder Mm -hmm. for you to pull off. Mm -hmm. So this is where you, I want to encourage you to like, make sure you're doing the right things in the right order. Take Mm -hmm. the time you need to get comfortable with the goal of making Mm -hmm. this choice, even though, you know, it's not where you want to be in 10 years, um, Mm -hmm. or you guess that it's not where you want to be in 10 years, make that call, get clear before you start really looking for an office space. Mm-hmm. So that it doesn't end up making you feel more anxious. And this is why mm-hmm. I'm now pulling it together. This is why we had to talk about work before we could talk about parenting, because all of this uncertainty and all of this. So there's this tarot card out of the Thoth deck, uh, which, you know, I know some people have very complicated things with. There's a deck called the Thoth deck, and there's a card called the Prince of Swords. This card is an image of a dude with a sword, and he's holding uh, onto like, I think it's by a harness, like with strings, three different fragmented pieces of himself. And he hasn't let go. And that image keeps on coming up in our conversation. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes we have fragmented pieces of ourselves, you know, pieces we've outgrown, pieces we've identified with that aren't the thing anymore. We just need to let go. And sometimes we need to pull them back in, right? It's about embodying change. That's really what it's about. And that is what keeps on coming up here. And when we kind of shift into talking about parenting, there's all of this noisiness inside of you around this other stuff. So then again, you're like scared of the ozone, which is very reasonable, but then there's all these emotions that don't have as much clarity and focus and like certainty around it that 
So those emotions kind of get displaced onto the ozone, even though the ozone is a very big concern. You haven't actually said ozone, but <laughs> sticking with it. I feel like let's yeah. be scared of the ozone together. I mean, yeah, just add it to the mix. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why stir it in. Okay. So let me just slow down and check in. What's coming up? I'm feeling a lot of things. Um, when you talked about letting go, I was like, I don't know how to do that. Mm. No. Yeah. Let's talk about that then. How do you let go? Right. And we're not talking about letting go of an ex or like letting go of expectations that, you know, your mother will be your father or whatever it is. It's like, <laughs> I think for you, what it's about is letting go of needing to be everything, know everything, do everything, center everything equally all at once. It's a fear that you won't remember it, that you won't get back to it, that you'll lose track of all the important things if you focus on one important thing. This is part of why I gave you homework to write on a big ass piece of paper or construction paper, all the concerns you have so that you won't have to carry them in your noggin. They're on a piece of paper that you can return to. And it's so big that you won't lose. That's why I was like, no, don't do multiple pieces of paper because you'll lose them. Right? Yeah, so it's I about will. like having one big construction paper situation. Like this is a practice. The reason why you compulsively hold on to all the things all the time is this glorious T-square involving Pluto. You've got Pluto opposite Venus, and they both form a square to the moon and Chiron in Leo. This means lots of things. But on topic, the way that you're kind of sense of security and safety goes and the way that your emotions go is compulsive and attached. And there's this, this kind of survival mechanism that you have that gets activated whenever safety, happiness, love, intimacy gets engaged. What we're talking about is you don't know how to let go because that threatens your survival on some core level. And whether or not that's technically true, whether or not that's reasonable or logical is completely irrelevant. It's how you fucking feel. So when I say let go, something in you is just like, that is the meanest thing you can say. Like that hurts my feelings. What do I do with that? Because what I'm saying to your survival mechanisms is you're not needed here. And the best way to activate your survival mechanisms is to say, go away. Because they're specifically there to protect you. That's their whole fucking function. So this comes back to your goals, right? You don't have to do everything at once. You can make the decision to start naming things and organizing, like externally organizing all of your stresses, which will sometimes spike your anxiety and sometimes soothe your anxiety. It'll be both, mm -hmm. right? And it's important for me to name this for you because there is this part of you that just really wants there to be a single answer, a single solution to life's many problems. And that is not a thing. Like it's super duper, not a thing. And anyone who says to anyone that it's a thing is, is lying to themselves or you, right? So it's about coming to acceptance as a foundational step towards coming to peace, but it's not peace. It's acceptance, which can be restless coming to acceptance with life is imperfect and you can theoretically have it all, but to have it all at once in your twenties, super unrealistic. Yeah. Super unrealistic. And people who seem like they have it all in their twenties, they don't, nobody does. That's not what the twenties are for. Honestly, it's not what any age is for, but certainly not your twenties. You're still figuring yourself out. Right. And it is important to name you are pre Saturn return. Your Saturn return hasn't happened yet. 
So Mm -hmm. from my astrological standpoint, you're in the adult years of your childhood. Mm -hmm. You're, you're still in this stage where if you figure, I don't know, like as an adult, 20, 18, 21, I don't know what we would say, but we're going to agree it's somewhere around 20 ish. Right. Uh Okay. So that means you have less than 10 years, adult lived experience. So cut yourself Mm -hmm. some slack. Give yourself some grace for not knowing all parts of yourself and, you know, being completely well-adjusted to a world that is changing so rapidly and is scary. One thing about being post Saturn return is that after the Saturn return, what we can do is we can reference back to our lived experience because we've had kind of enough to be able Mm -hmm. to pull lots of data pre-Saturn return, even immediately pre-Saturn return, because your Saturn return isn't that far away. We don't yet have those experiences. We're like having experiences for the first time. And that is just incredibly stressful. It's just incredible. It's like constant pressure. It feels like constant pressure. So this is like not exclusive or specific to you. It's just a global, from my perspective, it's a global reality that can be really soothing to accept. That sounds like a relief. Okay, great. Good. Okay. So my question for you is, do we stay with this work fear stuff or do we shift to parenting? I feel like I'd like to shift to parenting. Great. And I just want to confirm that the question is how to navigate your very real and also maybe not as much, but mainly very real fears about the world as a parent. Is that the question? Yeah, that was my question. Honestly, now that feels like not the question. Hit me with it. But I don't know what the question is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, I think I'm just like, is this really what parenting is? Like, is it really yes. this hard? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. Or like, am I doing something wrong? You know? No, it's really this hard. Okay. It's cool. actually just this hard. I just think that people don't talk about how hard it is as much for a variety of reasons. Um, Some of it is because people get very private about the difficulty. You know, they'll talk about it only in their relationship or within their families. And some people don't talk about it with their partners or in the family. Parenting is really hard and it's really hard on relationships. It places a completely new life altering, earth shattering, important pressure on a relationship. And again, people don't talk about this. I don't know why, because I myself am not a parent. So it's easy for me to not know why. Um, If I was queen of the world, I would force people before they decide on purpose to co-parent to like fill out a questionnaire and have a deep and intense conversation about how you will share time and labor and how you'll communicate about things. It's very difficult. So that said, you are going through some really rough transits right now. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. I thought I must be. (laughs) Yes, you must be. You must be. Um, And to be fair, most people have children when they have really intense transits happening. Of course, because having children literally changes your body forever. Like if you procreate, you have a different body than you did before you procreated, right? If you have a child, you've literally created a human out of junk, like literal junk, you've created a life that 
grew inside of you. So weird and creepy. I know it's beautiful, but it's also creepy teeth and bones and such. And that's just, that doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Then that child finds a way to rip its way out of your body and is a human person that you have to get to know and make sure that they eat and you don't get to sleep, but they have to sleep. Uh, Like there's just countless bonkers. It's bonkers. And then the world treats you differently. Mm -hmm. You are different in the world your values change. All of these things are hard. They're really hard. It is easy as children, because we're all children of someone. It's easy as children to look at our parents and guardians and be like, really? You couldn't fucking like, remember my birthday or whatever. But then when you're a parent, it's like, oh my God, what day is it? I don't know. Life is complicated. And so I want to just like hold space for transit, schmanzit, astrology, whatever. (laughs) This is hard. And there is nothing Mm. wrong with asking for help, finding groups of support, whether it's in your peer group or some anonymous group or or a shrink. This is hard. And if you're doing it right, it's really hard. So to give yourself grace for that, I think is really important, right? And before I go on, I just want to check in and be like, do you want me to pause for a minute? So you have a minute to like be in it? Um, I think I may just continue to cry forever. (laughs) That's fair. And is it, is it okay? Cry or is it? uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like being validated cry. Yeah. It is my pleasure to validate you. I'm always stunned at how people think that parenting isn't going to be hard. (sighs) Very hard. Yeah. No, I didn't think about it. Oh, didn't the, yeah. See, that stuns me. That, that stuns yeah. me every time. Uh, I yeah. think a lot of people have an idea about parenting that's like an Instagram feed, like a beautiful, yeah. <laughs> well-curated, well-lit Instagram feed. It's literally people pooping and peeing in your face for years. Like it's no sleep for years. There's so many wonderful things about it, but we have to remember, and I will get to your transits in just a moment, but we have to remember that through most cultures over most of time until incredibly recently, like within my lifetime, People who gave birth, women, and no choices. So complain or not, you survive childbirth, keep on moving. You know, yeah. like that was it. So having like conversations about the difficulties around identity and like mental health and emotional health and all this stuff as a parent is very new. It's a very yeah. new thing. And we're not that far along with it yet. And that's not a personal shortcoming. That is a systemic issue across this culture and and I would say most cultures. So again, it's really valuable to to validate your lived experience as an individual, but to understand the the social context because it is then less like, oh my God, why am I the only one? For sure, you're not the only one, like for sure. So, okay, let's get back to your transits, which are blah. Okay, (laughs) currently it started in February of 2022. You're in a transit, will last two years. It is a once in a lifetime event and it is called Neptune Square, your ascendant. Neptune is in your second. No, it's not. It is in your third house, the house of communications, and it's forming a square to your rising sign. This is a great transit if you would like to feel a great deal of anxiety uh, and panic about your identity, your sense of self, and where you fit in with others. This transit is incredibly anxiety producing for most people. And it is centered around identity, sense of self, and gets played out in your intimate, close relationships. So your relationship with your child, with your partner, with your besties, yada, yada, any kind of one-on-one with massage clients that is implicated here. And Neptune is destabilizing. It puts you in this position where 
if you are trying to act in ways that are not authentic, you feel literally exhausted. Like you can't function Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. anxious. So you're six months into a two-year transit. I'm glad that your primary ambition wasn't money because that would be a hard one to achieve unless you were making money in a way that felt really authentic. Mm-hmm. That brings me to the next once in a lifetime transit you're going through, which is Uranus conjoined to your Venus in the fifth house. So if you're not trying to have another child, I encourage you to uh, enjoy celibacy or bag it or do whatever else a person does these days mm-hmm. because you are fertile. Are you being careful? Yeah. 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 Be real careful because what, Uranus conjunct Venus, especially in the fifth house will do amongst many other things. It makes your ovulation uh, cycle erratic. And so it's harder to time things. Okay. So Mm -hmm. yeah, expect the unexpected and you don't want a second child, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And is your partner on board? Yeah. Woody snip snip. I think so. Yeah. I think it's a great time for a conversation. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause I imagine that birth control is really rough on you. Like a uh, hormonal birth control is probably really rough on you. eh? Yeah. I, I have like a non-hormonal form of birth control that so far has been fine. Great. Okay. So Uranus conjunction to Venus can be a transit that brings about a change in fortune, like where you make money from doing something you haven't done before, where you make money in new ways, uh, where you make new friends. It could you know, mean lots of things. It definitely is a transit that changes your relationship. But mm-hmm. in the context of the way you're feeling, Uranus conjunction to Venus makes it really hard to have a small life that doesn't have spontaneity in it. And mm-hmm. there's something emotionally and spiritually really big and expansive about being a stay-at-home primary parent not socially or romantically expansive. It's shrinking in those ways, yeah. right? And again, mm-hmm. let's just be honest about it. Yeah. And so Uranus conjunction to Venus is making you feel pretty shitty about that. Mm-hmm. All that means as an astrologer, all I think that that means is that it's time for you to step out of the home more mm-hmm. uh, or step out of just being mom more. The problem is Neptune and Uranus are the two planets that govern anxiety. Neptune is, I'm having a panic attack. I don't know what's real or what's not real. Who am I? Uranus Mm -hmm. is restless, lack of attention, uh, distraction, anxiety. So lucky you, you're getting the deuce. And then Pluto is right now in your first house. Again, the place of identity and opposing your natal mercury and cancer. And so your sense of connection with friends radically changed. And that might be as a new parent, that might be in the context of COVID and all the unrest we're going through. It might just be your fucking life. Right. Mm -hmm. But Pluto opposite Mercury tends to bring up drama and discord in your friendships. Also, Mercury is your mind. And Pluto is compulsion, survival mechanisms, intensity, trauma, activation. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling all this anxiety about all these other things, and then you're already Mercury and Cancer, a little bit inclined to attach right? Snips the little pinchers. Okay. This is what happens. Pluto is just like obsess on the thing that feels worse, obsess on the thing that feels the absolute <laughs> worst. And, the, and then now, now oh. we're back to, you know, again, the ozone, I'm just saying, cause it's actually yeah. less scary than the things that we're really talking about. Yeah. Like school shootings. Totally. So you are being heavily activated at this time, mm-hmm. heavily activated. And a lot of it is around your mental health. But mm-hmm. that's only like the, the like top layer 
of what's getting activated, what's really being activated is your relationship to agency, to survival, uh, mm. and to being here now. So it's spiritual and emotional, foundationally. And then it is kind of the most obvious on the mental health level. This is not exclusively a mental health problem by a long, long, long shot. This is really deep shit for you. And so by being willing to have difficult conversations with yourself and the people you trust, by being willing to sit with these fucked up feelings you're having, that's where your answers will emerge. Not by looking for answers. Because if you look for answers, that's psychological. You're, you're not going to find them. You're just going to keep circling around the same fucking thing. You know, yeah. instead it's about being present choosing to just be focused on the next 10 minutes and nothing more than the next 10 minutes in doing that then you'll feel sad or bad or mad or scared okay mm -hmm. for 10 minutes you can feel those feelings and making something to that effect and th that's not it like i think you can like collaborate with people you trust and that you're already working with to create like a mm -hmm. it thing yeah. but by doing this what you will be able to do is create inner resourcing so that when you're activated, you can check in with the feelings before rushing to the story or to create a story to match why you're activated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, great. So um, hold on. I see. Let me just make sure I'm seeing this right. Okay. So I want to say this to you and it feels a little touchy to say, but I'm being shown to say it, so I'm going to say it, and I, and I believe it's mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. It is not a rejection of your child to grieve having had a child. Sorry. Yeah. I think that that's part of what's happening here. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you want to, do you want to pause or? It just feels really true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know it's really messy and complicated. But I do feel that if more people would give themselves permission to have their feelings, then you could cycle through them. It is a loss. It's also a gain, but it's also a loss. I mean, we all talk about beginnings and, you know, beginnings, beginnings, beginnings. Every beginning is an ending. This beginning is beautiful and big and messy and forever. And it's forever. And so you're allowed to have grief. Because you didn't know, you didn't know somehow, like it just, it, it either didn't occur to you or you yeah. just, you can't know until you're there. And I think if you give yourself permission to have that grief and to understand that it doesn't actually touch the depth of your love and commitments of your mm -hmm. child, and it doesn't mm -hmm. take away from your earnest choice to parent them and to embrace them throughout the course of their childhood and hopefully their adulthood. And also you're allowed to grieve. It's, it's both. And the next time that grief comes up, I do want to encourage you to just say, and also, just, and also like, this is my grief. And also I have love, but I'm going to be with my grief yeah. for now. You know, I got to tell you the, when I look at you energetically, it's like this massive weight was just lifted off of something in inside of your body yeah. just to acknowledge that there's grief there. Is that something you talk about with people at all? Not really. Like I talked about it with my partner recently for the first time and that felt like a big deal for yeah. us, but How did he I didn't know I was alone. You are um, I think, I think actually he brought it up and he was scared to bring it up. 
um, that he was feeling that way or that he thought yeah, he was that, feeling that way, that he was feeling that way. And that, you know, it wasn't like a conscious choice we made to, to bring a kid into the world. It just happened. You know, yeah. I mean, it didn't yeah. just happen. You know, we sure. made it happen, but yes. yeah. no, but I know um, what you mean. Wasn't, you didn't yeah. try. You weren't yeah, trying. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there is a lot there where I'm like, well, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm grieving that a little bit. Like, yeah, I made a choice, but I, I didn't know I was making that choice. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. So I think the work here is to give yourself permission to have your feelings and to recognize that, you know, when you're at the playground with your kid, or when you're like, you know, playing house or whatever happens, what do kids do these days? Whenever you're on your iPad with your kid. Yeah. That's not like the, the best time to like dig into the feelings, but there are a lot of hours in the day where it is the best time to, Mm -hmm. to dig into those feelings. And it's important to remove the guilt from the emotions because you're entitled to feeling grief. Any parent is. And when you give yourself space to experience the grief, you can recover from the grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that just is like less shit in your bag when you're moving around the world, you know, because yeah. right now, not naming it, not exploring it, not allowing yourself to feel it. It gets heavier every day. It just becomes yeah. something heavier that you're lugging around with you. The only reason to hide the grief is shame. And where this grief is interconnected with everything else we've talked about is you didn't make a choice. And by not making a choice, you made a huge choice and has all these repercussions. And so now you're looking around at your life, get a job, put them in a school, uh, don't put them in a school. There's all these choices that you're now like painfully aware have all these repercussions and you Mm. don't completely understand what the repercussions are. And you're just so in the process of dealing with that, that it's fucking with your ability to make choices. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having a really hard time making choices, making choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because sure you got it on with somebody you really love and you decided, you know, to keep your child and move forward with the pregnancy, but it's very different than family planning. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So exploring that, unpacking that, mm-hmm. staying with that is going to be really important. And let me tell you, this transit of Pluto opposite Mercury only brings up things you're ashamed of. Like that's its <laughs> only fucking job. It doesn't bring up things that you're like, oh, roller coasters are scary. I'm going to go to the <laughs> county fair. It's like, I fear yeah. I will die on a roller coaster. And now all of a sudden I have to go. Like Pluto yeah. only brings up terror and shame and grief and abandonment issues. That's it. So yeah. You can beat yourself up all you want and that'll be the transit or you can heal the pain that you already have and that'll be the transit. Either way, it's going to be painful. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be mortifying. It's Pluto, but this can be an opportunity to deeply heal something that is just very human in you. All of the stuff we're talking about is really, really human. And I think parenting is always very hard. I think it's exceptionally hard in such a digital time where it's very hard to keep up with the world and how it's changing, but also pocket computers are like feeding us information about it constantly. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a very violent time. Mm -hmm. Also kind of a global pandemic. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on and there's a lot of distractions from you taking care of you. I can understand 
how much pressure it must be, or I can imagine rather, how much pressure it must be to be a parent in such deeply concerning times. But the way that you can care for your child and your partnership is by caring for yourself. It's about finding the right balance and proportion, which again means doing one thing at a time. Okay, this is like a stupid metaphor, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it. So bear with me. It's like if you have a plate and on your plate, there's uh, vegetables and potatoes and tofu and also uh, some sort of delicious condiment where you dip everything in. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have all those things. Let's say you decide I'm going to take a bite, but every bite I take has to have everything on my fork (laughs) at once. Yeah. It's going to be a messy meal. You're not going to actually enjoy anything. It's just not going to be great. And that's a little bit what you've been doing, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, it's really funny because that's actually how I eat. I literally like (laughs) stir all my food together. (laughs) Okay. That's why I was like, I was like, this is a weird metaphor, but I feel like I have to use this one on you. And you're like, yes, bitch, that's my life story. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's not the most effective way of, of getting all the yeah. best flavors. And it, it makes every meal messier, no? Yeah, well, I mean, it all tastes the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's happening with your fears. All your fears are at a 10 because yeah. some of your fears are at a 10, but you're scooping them all mm. up into the same spoonful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So separating them will give you more deliciousness on the good yeah. stuff. And it'll clarify what's not delicious on the bad stuff. Let me just check back in with your child. Say their full name. Yeah, luckily none of this is about them at all. It's really Honestly, cool. I feel like they're fine. They're great. You know, yeah, there's but, nothing yeah. wrong here. I mean, they're a child, yeah. so everything's wrong, but yeah. nothing's wrong right. at all. I mean, literally bones are growing out of their gums to become yeah. teeth. So terrifying. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the problem. You know, it's like yeah. kid stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not. This is all happily your problem. I'm which gone. is so cool yeah it is it, to me that's like as a relief. parent that's a huge relief it's like yeah totally. it, it, this is just your problem and mm, it's a, a big you know intertwined smoosh of problems but mm-hmm. these are your problems whether you're a parent or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's cool that you're dealing with it now and your child is so young mm-hmm. that you're in a great place to be able to work on this stuff and even the fact that you're not working outside of the home a whole lot, some of that is really helpful to what you're going through. Some of that honestly is just enabling you to be an anxious wreck, but some of it is really helpful. So it's again about parsing out what's working and what isn't. Mm -hmm. So you can enjoy what is and Mm -hmm. tend to what isn't with Mm -hmm. greater clarity and therefore more effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So it's been really great meeting you. And I, I really hope this was helpful we didn't really get to the part of like, how do you parents in a dangerous world? But I think that really wasn't the question, right? It's, I think you answered the question that I didn't ask. So I appreciate okay. that. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. It's yeah, so my pleasure. That has been so helpful. The state uses media and technology to silence, surveil, and criminalize marginalized communities. Big tech companies partner with ICE and law enforcement to spy on trans youth, folks seeking abortions, activists, immigrants, Muslim families, and more. Tech and media don't just shape how we tell our stories. They also determine who is and is not free. 
Media Justice is a BIPOC and queer-led organization fighting for racial, economic, and gender justice in a digital age. Home of the Media Justice Network, made up of more than 70 grassroots partners, Media Justice fights discrimination, surveillance, algorithmic bias, and dehumanizing narratives alongside communities most impacted by these issues. Support Media Justice's vision of a world where everyone is connected, represented, and free. Visit mediajustice.org slash give today and follow MJ on social media at Media Justice to join our movement. Something that I absolutely love about having Ghost of a Podcast, this DIY project, is that I get to talk about astrology and spiritual concepts and the world uh, in a really honest way with you all, right? Like, that's very important to me. And podcasting has provided a platform for me to do that because I don't want to brag, but I hate writing. I do it, you know. I do it. And I like having things written. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not a big fan of the process of writing, but I can talk all day long. See, so this is a really special thing for me because I get to share uh, my take on the world from an astrological and spiritual viewpoint in a way that's really honest and authentic to me and to my worldview. And I'm aware that some people really don't like politics and spirituality and astrology to all kind of be put in the same bucket. But for me, when one spirituality is divorced from an understanding of and participation within the world, it's honestly just disassociation. And in order to be brave and ethical in our actions, we must stay associated with the world itself. And I don't mean 100% of the time. And I don't mean when your life is in major crisis, of course. But I mean, just as a lifestyle baseline in general, right? And, you know, very importantly, astrology is in fact, uh, not just horoscopes or sun signs. It's not just a resource for understanding when your ex will come back to you. It's not just, you know, apps created by AI. Astrology is a tool for understanding the systems that we live in, the time that we live in, and then what came before us to create the systems and the time that we're living in, as well as to empower us in the present and to show us what's yet to come. To not use astrology, this remarkable resource, to understand the social and political conditions that we are living in is a missed opportunity in my view. I, of course, do use it and love using it for personal issues. This is why half of the show is always me, you know, giving a reading to someone. I love that. But to imagine that what you're going through as an individual in any part of your life is divorced from the times you are living in, the conditions you were born into, your choices, your circumstances, all this kind of shit, it's just simply not true. It's just not true. None of us exist in a vacuum and none of our issues exist in vacuums. And also, my friends, these are exceptional times. And you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We are all here for a reason. Each and every one of us is a part of these times. And caring for others caring for people in your immediate life, caring for your community, people on the planet, 
plants, the environment, whatever. It's not just about how you feel. Caring is so much about what you do. And I want to do better. I want to learn and unlearn and I want to evolve. And I know that's exhausting for all of us, at least some of the time and some of us all the time. But I also want the same for each of you. I want us to learn and unlearn and to evolve because that's what we're here for. And that can't happen when we put our heads in the sand. It can't happen when all we do is focus on our individual experience. Now, bear with me, right? Bear with me because Pluto return of the United States. That's one major astrological theme that is impacting us here in the U.S., but also it is having a major impact on the world and will continue to. But there are other major transits occurring at the same time. And I want to speak to all of this here, okay? Because the only way that democracy works, and, you know, I think it's hard to argue that this is a true democracy, but okay, you know, that's our branding. We're democracy. And that's in some ways, I guess, our infrastructure. But I will say this. The only way that democracies work is if masses of people participate in them. And the truth is, less than half of the country votes in midterm elections. And that's where we actually have power. The people that we elect in local elections, that's where we can actually impact change and impact our lives and the lives of the people around us. Uh, The midterm elections are really important. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. They're really important. And you want to remember, Pluto is in Capricorn, in Capricorn. This means we must constructively build things, participate in existing systems. We got to put our money where our mouths are. Capricorn, right? And by following through with our goals within the system, we can actually make change to the system. That's not the only way of doing things. And TBH, Pluto, is not going to stay in Capricorn for very much longer. But This Pluto return that we're in right now is a revolutionary time. It will be, it is a time of profound transformation to the systems that govern us, that we are living in. And revolution is not good or bad, but it's not chill. And if masses of people do not come together to make sure that the transformations occurring in our societies are humane, then they won't be, right? When people hear revolution, they'll often think about violence and breaking things down. But as Logan Grendel said when I was a guest on their podcast recently, most of the work of revolutions is about building. And we need systemic solutions to systemic problems. That's worth repeating. We need systemic solutions to systemic problems. Pluto and Capricorn. Very soon, Pluto will enter into Aquarius. And If we, the people, do not come together, Aquarian style, I fear that technology will rip us apart. And when I say technology, I don't mean technology itself. I'm not talking about, you know, AI becoming sentient. I am talking about the way that the system can and has been weaponizing technology against us, right? American capitalism is founded on violence. I mean, American society is founded on violence. And it's set up in such a way that it can sustain and absorb a huge amount of cruelty, oppression, and violence. And if you don't think that's true, you haven't been paying attention, like at all. What we need is to build a different way of being with each other, 
a different way of living together and engaging in politics and in uh, care for each other through the ups and downs of life. Like I'm talking about different ways of engaging with the climate crisis and other major societal problems. You know, I personally am a huge fan of technology. I mean, maybe not the biggest fan of technology, but I'm speaking to you through the beep boop beeps, right? Like this is a very technological situation over here. Um, I recorded this on a computer and you are listening to this maybe through weird headphones that are not attached to anything, no plugs. I mean, come on. Technology is remarkable. But we must use technology to support analog living and not to replace it. And what we're seeing is how technology can be used for spreading propaganda, for corporations and governments tracking our behavior, for essentially limiting our civil liberties and really creating harm. Uranus is in Taurus. It's in the middle of the sign. It's been here for years, and we have years more of this transit of Uranus in Taurus. And this transit teaches us many things. And one of the things it teaches us is that we need a new kind of security, right? One that provides authentic safety for all people. And this is because all people have value, right? We must value each other, even the people you don't necessarily understand or like. It's essential during uh, this particular transit of Uranus and Taurus that we protect the rights, safety, and dignity of women, as well as the rights of people of all religions and races and immigration statuses. We need to be protecting trans people and people with disabilities and people in all economic situations. I mean, we need to have systems that are based on providing and promoting the dignity of people. That's not really what we do here, but it's what we need. That's the revolution that we need. In the past week alone, just since I've recorded the last episode of Ghost, we have seen violence against queer people from the state, so legislation that's been passed that is violent and oppressive. We've also seen the attempted violent attack from white supremacist terrorists uh, at the Coeur d'Alene Gay Pride event. Luckily, they were stimmied, but I mean, they showed up for serious violence. And terrorists stormed into a drag queen story hour in the East Bay of California. White supremacist terrorists, or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves these days, right? They're activated. They're organized. And they're taking action. Like, let's not be idealistic. And I know it's, this is very frightening. I'm not trying to scare you. This is just what's happening. This is a heavily armed hate group that is mobilized around taking action. They're organized. And, and it's important that we're aware of that, right? It's important that in response to that, we do not stick our head in the sand. We do not just, you know, talk to the universe and thoughts and prayers. Those things are important. But that can't be all we do. We must organize. We must show up for each other. We must take care of each other. Sometimes we've got to put ourselves in harm's way in order to do the right thing. Sometimes we need to make a good choice and take ourselves out of harm's way, right? But it's hard to participate in the world when you don't know what's happening in the world. We need to build coalitions. We need to protect each other. We need to build community that is supportive to each other and to those who are more vulnerable than us, not just to the people who are look and pray and fuck and socialize in similar ways to you. We need more empathy. We need more connection. It's very important. 
I know, I know this is stressful. I know I'm talking about stressful and scary things that are happening in the world. And I know that these things are terrifying and that so many of you put a lot of effort into not consuming news. And sometimes that's the best possible choice. And sometimes it's just the easiest choice, but it's not necessarily the best choice. I just want to say these things are happening whether or not you want to hear about it, whether or not you're aware of it. And with Uranus and Taurus, which is a transit that, like I said, it's going to continue. It's only halfway through. It's going to continue for several more years. We are tasked with innovating new ways of building community and innovating new ways of being there for each other and with each other. Some of that will be through technology. It already is through technology. But again, we don't want our online connections to replace our IRL connections. What Uranus and Taurus wants in the positive or what it brings about in the positive is new ways of connecting to the things and people that we value and finding new ways of building value in ourselves, in our relationships, in our community, and in the systems that govern us. Here we are in the summertime of Jupiter in Aries. And, you know, with all this fiery, zhuzhi energy, it may be very tempting to run through ideas, look for shortcuts, and not get bogged down by unpleasant realities, especially systemic ones that, you know, tend to be slower moving in terms of progress. Uh, and they can be easily demoralizing if you really get into the details of it. But it would be a serious error in this time. We are in the Pluto return of the United States, my friends. It is go time. It is go time. Things are happening very quickly and they are very serious. And doing nothing is an action. It's empowering the oppressors. That's what doing nothing is. Your feelings are so important. You may know that the whole reason I started Ghost of a Podcast is because I saw this stuff coming. And I am of the belief that the cultivation of emotional maturity is foundational and necessary for doing the right thing in scary situations. I deeply believe that. So I'm very much a fan of your feelings. And I, I want to support you in having a healthy, but also a mature relationship to your feelings. But, but, our feelings of upset or overwhelm or heartbreak about the mass shootings and the racism and the ableism and the transphobia and all the fucked up shit that is happening right now, our feelings of upset when not paired with action is still doing nothing, right? The intensity and the depth of your feelings do not equal action in the world. And so this is where most of us have a lot of work to do. Because if we're not using our emotions and our spirituality as motivation to do the right thing when shit gets real, then what are we doing, right? What are we doing? Again, the uniqueness, the, the like magic of you being here in this moment at this time, what are the chances, right? What are the damn chances? But here you are. What are you going to do? I wish I had answers. I wish I had answers. I don't have answers. I do my best to give you empowering, useful predictions when I do make predictions. But the truth is, these are fucked up rough times, and they're getting more fucked up and rougher. And inevitably, that means we're going to need to have some heavy conversations. We're going to have to confront some scary realities. And that's just something I want to encourage you to think about, talk about with your friends, whatevs, because... There are those of us who tend to be hyper-associated. There are those of us who tend to really disassociate. And then there's a lot of people in the middle, right? And wherever you are, 
in general or at this moment is okay, but it's your starting place. It's your starting place. So once we can identify and then accept where we're starting from, from there, we can take empowered and effective actions, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that looks like at this moment or at the next moment, right? Okay, so my rant's almost over, but I want to say, my loves, if you are celebrating Juneteenth, happy fucking Juneteenth. If you are celebrating pride, happy fucking pride. Be careful and look out for the people around you. We need to look out for each other. We need to show up for each other, right? Okay, okay, enough, Jessica. Moving along, let's get into your horoscope. We are looking at the astrology of June 19th through the 25th of 2022. And there's not too much going on this week, uh, which is great. Could you use a break? Because I sure could. The first exact transit I want to tell you about is exact on the 20th, and it's Mercury sextile Jupiter. We are now done with the Mercury retrograde shadow. So anyways, on the 20th, Mercury, totally direct, is forming an exact sextile to Jupiter. This transit is really good for synthesizing details into a big picture understanding being able to kind of make sense of a lot of information, make plans for, you know, a a long period of time or a big project. This can also just be a transit that's great for socializing where, you know, you reach out to people or you hang out with people in a way, hopefully that's COVID safe, that is fun and dynamic. Maybe you have some adventures, you take some risks. Mercury sextile to Jupiter is, is fun. It's just fun. And uh, I feel like you deserve some fun, especially after listening to that whole rant of mine. Uh, So yeah, Mercury sextile Jupiter, get into it. If there is some sort of like organizational thing that you've been needing to deal with and haven't known how to start, this transit won't help you. Except if what's in your way is you don't have a vision, like you haven't like played it out yet. So if you need to kind of create a vision so that you can next create a plan, then this is a great time for organizing your vision, you know, working out the details of your big picture goals. Mercury, sextile, Jupiter. On the 21st, we have two events to talk about. The first is a Venus trying to Pluto. It is exact at 1.23 a.m. And this is a great transit. Again, no downside. It's a great time for flirting. It's a great time for having energy and vibes with someone. And a relationship that begins under the influence of a Venus trying to Pluto can be really dynamic, really fun, and also deep, which is cool. We can have really meaningful interpersonal connections through this transit, right? And again, if you're meeting up with someone new, that's especially fortuitous. This transit basically intensifies your desire and capacity to exchange intimacy and closeness. Uh, This can be a time when you're really feeling yourself or you have a really fun crush on someone or you have a really fun flirtation. It's fun. It's just fun. Uh, This is not a great time for spending money without consideration because Venus trying Pluto can inspire us to buy luxury in attempts, honestly, to buy happiness, which, you know, not the wisest of all the things in the world. The lucky part, I mean, and this might not sound lucky, but it is, 
is that we're still feeling the Venus square to Saturn that was exact on June 18th, right? So it's not exact anymore, but we're still definitely feeling that transit. And that Venus square to Saturn, as much as it is an utter boner killer and really hard on self-esteem and all that kind of stuff, when it overlaps with Venus trying to Pluto, it can help us to uh, invest our money in smart ways instead of, you know, buying some ridiculous shit we don't need because it makes us feel good for a minute. It helps us to not just, you know, flirt with the sexiest person in the room, but it actually suggests that if you're making a new connection or deepening an existing connection romantically or socially with someone, that it might have more roots to it because Saturn is all about roots. It has staying power. And Venus trying Pluto on its own doesn't necessarily. I mean, it's not like against staying power, but it doesn't come with staying power. So that's kind of cool, right? I mean, I think it's kind of cool. And then finally, the last thing I'll say about this transit is this is a great time for aligning with your values, Venus, right? Talking about all this earth energy. And again, we still got that Venus Saturn vibes going. Uh, but this is a great time for considering your actions and making sure that they are a reflection of what you care about and that you're following through on things that are important to you, right? So again, great transit. Happy to have it. Happy to have it. Now, the other thing that's happening here on the uh, 21st of June is the sun moves into Cancer. And you know me. I don't really get into talking about solar seasons because the Internet is brimming with this kind of data. Also, I don't tend personally to notice it in a major way. Do you? I mean, a lot of people do. I am not one of those people. But here in the hemisphere that I live in, it is the summer solstice. If you're listening in Australia, New Zealand, of course, I think it's your winter solstice, right? Right. But the sun moves into Cancer at exactly 2.14 a.m. Pacific time, again, on June 21st. And this solstice chart is kind of intense. And in this solstice chart, in this sun in Cancer chart, where the sun is at zero degrees Cancer and zero minutes, there's quite a few things going on. One of those things is a moon-Jupiter conjunction. It's not exact. Uh, the moon is at three degrees and Jupiter is at six. So it's right close. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing because, of course, the ruling planet to the zodiac sign of Cancer is the moon. And the moon being so close to Jupiter, it indicates a lot of emotional joyfulness, resiliency, hopefulness. I won't say luck, per se, but I will say that a positive attitude and an openness to good things happening tends to generate luck, right? Um, but this is a great, great indicator. The downside of it is, as I was saying earlier about Jupiter and Aries, is it can have us barreling through life, not fully checking in with very real, unpleasant things, right? It can have us taking risks, which can be good or bad. It can also have us just basically being messy. So there's that. Mars and Chiron are still conjoined. Again, they're separated by four degrees. It's not exact, but it is very real. So there are continued articulations of needing to reconcile with our ego, needing to reconcile with our relationship to anger and passion and entitlement, needing to deal with toxic masculinity and violence in the world and potentially in our lives, right? These things are part of this solar season. And so these are important things for you to be aware of, to locate yourself around this solstice time, right? 
keeping in mind that, of course, the Saturn-Venus square and the Pluto-Venus trine are, of course, activated in this summer solstice chart. But ultimately, when we're talking about cancer season, when we're talking about the summer solstice, what we're talking about is your emotions. It's your emotional maturity or foundations within yourself or foundations within your life. It's how you show up, how you feel, how you connect to others, how you let them in or not, right? This is big themes for cancer season. And the Venus, Pluto, Venus, Saturn transits, they're reiterating the themes of security and of safety, which are big themes in kind of a different vibe, but big themes for cancer and cancer season in general. This is not a good time for doing that Cancerian thing of uh, grasping onto something because it's familiar, even when it doesn't work for you. It's not a great time for coming at things too sideways, right? You know, little crab, little crab waddle there. But this is a really important time for tapping into our emotions, right? For tapping into your heart and your sense of security or safety in this world maybe even in your body. And so whatever rituals you do, whatever, uh, whatever delicious woo you practice or religion or whatever it is, make sure that it's a heart-based practice. Make sure to bring that very important part of you, your damn heart, along for the ride. What kind of emotional commitments can you make to, to others, to the world around you? Little integrated spirituality for you. Now, there's only one last thing for me to tell you about in the stars this week, and that is on the 22nd, Venus moves into Gemini. And this transit is great, again, for getting out there and socializing. Uh, It's a great time for connecting or reconnecting with what you value. And this is because Gemini is adaptable, so you can actually change your mind. You can evolve. You can shift if you find that that's necessary which is kind of cool. You know, it's a it's it's a nice little shift in energy from fixed Taurus to mutable, adaptable Gemini. So, you know, get out there, do it safely, do it, do it with an open heart, but get out there, make some social connections, flirt your sweet little buns off, do it, do what needs to be done. And that, my friends, is your horoscope for the week. And I will run through the very short list of transits. On the 20th, we have an exact Mercury sextile to Jupiter. On the 21st, we have an exact Venus trine to Pluto. And the sun moves into Cancer for a summer solstice. And on the 22nd, Venus shimmies on into Gemini. And that's it. As always, if you want to know the transits before they happen and you want to keep track of your own uh, predictions and interpretations, go and subscribe to Astrology for Days. You can subscribe on my website. Uh, It's a great tool for actually learning and using astrology, which you know I'm all about that. Also, if you want to learn more, just join me over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Jessica Lignato, always linked in the show notes slash caption of the podcast. And on the kittens level, every month I predict the month ahead. So you get more of a heads up on the transits. We also get real woo over there. So if you're if you're into being woo, join me. And of course, if this podcast is supportive to you, if you get value from it, if you're learning something 
that helps you on your path, please consider writing a review or giving it five stars wherever you listen to it and certainly hitting that subscribe button. I very deeply appreciate it. And one last thing, save the damn date. On July 17th, I am offering an AMA and ask me anything as a companion to my high times and addiction class that I gave back on June 4th. It's available for sale on my website. So if you already took the class or if you've been thinking about taking it, you can go get the class on my website and then join me for an Ask Me Anything on the topic of substance use and addiction in astrology. Very excited about this. The July 17th AMA will be for sale later this week on my website. So if you go there and you don't see it yet, just check back in a couple days. It'll be there. All right, my loves, stay safe out there and lead with your heart. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near.